This is Christopher Benincasa for the Jersey Arts Podcast. And this is actor Jeffrey Owens. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. You've heard those lines before. They're from Shakespeare's romantic comedy, As You Like It, now playing at Two River Theater in Red Bank. I recently sat down with director Michael Sexton to talk about his take on the play and what it has to say to us in 2014, more than four centuries after it was written. So, Michael, this is your second time directing a Shakespeare play at Two River Theater. You did Henry V last season. Uh, What drew you into the much different, far more colorful universe of As You Like It? Uh, Well, uh, John John Diaz, the artistic director, was kind enough to ask me back and uh, ask if I'd like to do another Shakespeare here, and I said, of course. Um, and uh, after Henry V, which was quite a challenging, and it's not the darkest play in the world, but it's definitely dramatic and um, um, not light, uh, he was eager to do a comedy. Um, and As You Like It is a fascinating and difficult play. It has some of the same themes as uh, Henry V, as believe it or not, though. Um, both plays deal with the um, the uses of adversity, is the phrase from As You Like It, that this exiled duke who's been banished to the woods, he was the duke of uh, Burgundy, it's supposed to be, but you don't ever get to hear that name, uh, but it's, he's a French duke who's been banished from his dukedom, um, by his usurping brother, and uh, he's living in the forest where it is difficult to live. And his f- opening speech is about um, the advantages, or as he says, the uses of the difficulties that they're facing there. And he says that at least these the, the elements that we're facing here, the wind and the rain, um, are not flatterers. They're not lying to us. He calls them counselors that feelingly persuade me what I am. So there's something about being challenged that reveals one's true nature. And Henry V similarly involves a group of people facing difficulty together and finding out their true mettle um, through the through the adversity and also rediscovering, I would say, the necessity of all efforts being group efforts um, and the ways in which we are forever interdependent. And As You Like It is very much about the necessity of community and of marriage in a sort of very particular way, but that being part of a circle of people um, there are four people, four couples that get married at the end of this play, and that's sort of what it's all moving towards. And it's the problem at the beginning of the play that that, that the the duke has been usurped and the community has been fractured. And so, if there is one movement of the play, it's towards reunion and community and interdependence and recognizing that. None of us can be ourselves alone. This play is like a follow the bouncing ball kind of story. 
and that's part of the pleasure for the audience. It's fun to try to keep all the mixed up identities and relationships straight while the story moves forward in time. It strikes me as very modern, for lack of a better word, the complexity, the speed, the sort of meta setting of the Forest of Arden, the reversal and confusion of gender roles. What do you think Shakespeare was going for with this one? He was a very savvy playwright and a very savvy um, artist. So to a good degree, what he's thinking about is entertaining people and keeping them um, guessing and um, delighted in what the invention that he's involved in. Um, and disguise is always fun. People um, playing other people and tricking other people into thinking that they're someone else is always good fun on the stage. Um, I think the theatricality of the play is very it's central to its concerns. That is, um, the question of who we are as people and the roles that we play and the choices that we make um, with each other in this, what the Duke calls this wide and universal theater that is the world, um, is very uh, interesting, compelling to Shakespeare. Shakespeare comes, comes back to it again and again in his work. That is, how do we take on the role of ourselves? Um, and how do we act our way into authenticity, which sounds a little bit fancy, but it's, you know, we do it a lot. You know, we, um, we get up every morning and we put on clothing and we enter rooms where we have specific roles and we know um, that if we behave a certain way, it will go well and people will not be surprised by what we do because we'll play our role um, in a sort of orderly way and then there are times when we are asked to step outside of those roles or forced to step outside of those roles and we have to try to find ways into the new roles and that sort of self-creation um, again is very compelling I think to Shakespeare and is one of the truths I think that he's able to tell or he's able to delineate in some way or portray how people do go about doing that. Um, and he's very alert to the sort of theatricality of personality, as it were. Um, and, you know, there's a very famous speech in the play um, that begins, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. And it's a very famous speech, and it sets up one of the central metaphors of the play and of the um, and of all of Shakespeare's work. That is, to what degree are we actors, and to what degree are we authentic beings, and to what degree are we just playing roles, and is there possibility for stepping outside of those roles? As a director, do you feel like that famous speech is the centerpiece of the play? Could you unpack it a little for us and talk about what makes it such an enduring piece of art? Um, well, I don't have it all memorized, but uh, it, it offers up sort of a series of cameo portraits of people, men, it's actually all male, of men at different points in one's life, starting with um, 
the whining infant mewling and puking in the nurse's arms, he says, and ending with um, what he calls, what the character Jaques calls, second childishness and mere oblivion, uh, meaning, you know, uh, senectitude um, and old age. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful speech. It's a witty speech. It's funny at places and ends in, the, in a very melancholic note. And it's characteristic of the character who gives the speech. Jaques is called the melancholy man, calls himself a melancholy man. It's, it's one of the things it sets up, you know, actually he's taking the metaphor from the Duke, but, um, but it sets up, yes, a central metaphor for the play because we see two of the characters stay in disguise the entire play until the very, very, very end. Um, and one of, is, it's two women, one playing a shepherdess girl, and she's a princess, and the other one, a princess, also playing um, a man. And... Um, so it, that's clearly something that the play is concerned with. But the speech itself, again, it's, you know, Shakespeare is amazing in that he doesn't give you, even a speech like that doesn't become the truth for all time. It, it is one character's truth. And it's significant that all of the portraits in that speech, is the seven ages of man is how he phrases it, um, all of them are men. All of them are solitary, um, and they show no signs of either being married or um, being really in contact with other people at the end of their life. The, the speech is immediately both um, embodied and contradicted by what happens next, because we've just heard, he has just heard about an old man who's dying of hunger in the forest where they are, and the young man who's his friend comes in and tries to steal some food, but then they say, we'll give you food, just bring your friend here and we'll feed him. Um, and it's an old man named Adam. So Jaques, the character, gives that speech to Seven Ages of Man that ends with, as I say, second childishness and mere oblivion, and it's quite a bleak picture of old age. And the next thing that happens is Adam, this starving old man, is brought onto the stage. So on some level, you have that second childishness embodied, but he's being supported by a young man. He's surrounded by people who are ready to feed him and help him and nourish him. And that answers Jaques's speech in a very strong way. That is... His, his vision of human life and old age is solitary and bleak. And then we have a difficult moment for an old man, but he's surrounded by a community of people. He's being helped. He's being supported, literally supported, um, by a younger man. And again, that's an answer for Jaques. The actor Jeffrey Owens gets to deliver that speech in this production. A lot of us know him from The Cosby Show, but maybe you could educate us a little about his acting career. We were really fortunate to have him as part of the cast of Henry V as well. Uh, he played a character named Pistol in that. A very funny um, character. 
And uh, just recently he played um, the prince in Romeo and Juliet on Broadway, um, and he gave a really effective performance of that play, of that role, which is not always the most impactful role, but I actually found his moments on stage to be very, very powerful. Um, and he also teaches Shakespeare. So he's a dedicated Shakespearean and dedicated theater artist, um, a very intelligent and uh, soulful artist. I have a unique vantage point, actually, because we grew up in the same neighborhood in Brooklyn, um, and uh, our families knew each other, and his mother taught me piano, and um, so we were not we were not in touch a lot, you know, between then and last year when we first worked together. Um, but there is a shared um, history there that's been uh, that's a this gives me great satisfaction actually to to be in the room with him. Um, and his, his mother's coming to the to the show, and I've given up the piano. But <laughs> anyway, another funny bit of trivia I came across was that the phrase "too much of a good thing" comes from this play. Uh, whenever I read up on Shakespeare, I love learning about this kind of stuff. So much of what Shakespeare wrote uh, worked its way into everyday language. Why is that? Yes, he's he's credited with 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 inventing a number of words, um, and using phrases that have gone on to, um, you know, <laughs> have great lives of their own. It, it's always, di it's difficult to know whether he's inventing it or he's the first recorded use of it. But it's an interesting point, nevertheless, because I think he's a unique kind of genius in that he was clearly um, uh, hungry and an absorptive, he absorbed the world around him clearly a lot, and then generated new material, fresh material. And so there's the the sort of negotiation or the interplay between the familiar and the fresh and the new is very much part of how his work works. Um, so. Even if it was a, a phrase that he heard from someone else or was current at the time, he absorbs it and uses it in a uh, context that gives it fresh life. And that's very much part of how he worked as an artist. He Most of his plots are stolen. There's only two or three plays that where he invents the entire plot. Most of them are from based on either other plays, many plays that were just contemporary plays just stole the plot, or um, romance novels or old folk tales. Um, so he's not the greatest inventor in the world, um, but he's the greatest reinventor, certainly, that ever was. So why is the play called As You Like It? It's a really good question. Um, on some level, well, one thing, Shakespeare had a slight habit of giving his plays titles that were that made them sound like sort of throwaways. Um, that he wrote "Much Ado About Nothing" is another famous play that is a deep and funny, wonderful play. Or Twelfth Night" is also called "What You Will," which essentially means "As You Like It." So, on some level, he's saying, "You tell me if you like it." You know, take what you like from this play. And there's a famous epilogue in the play that that Rosalind, the character Rosalind gives, um, that says, like as much of this play as it pleases you. And so there's some sense in which he's sort of, I think, slightly coyly or archly saying, ah, 
you know, maybe you like this play, maybe you won't. Um, but on a deeper level, as I say, it's a, the, the thing that gives the play completeness is meeting a variety of people with a variety of tastes and a variety of approaches. So everyone has their own as you like it. So the play is of a collection of as you like it's. That is people with their own approaches and tastes and likes and dislikes. So the play in a way is an examination of what makes life exciting, funny, sad to different people in different ways. For someone like you who really knows his Shakespeare, what do you feel this centuries-old play has to say to us now? What it can tell us and what it can show us and what it can remind us of is our need for each other. That is, it is only in community and in connection, in commitment to other people, that we become ourselves. And that is something that we need to be reminded of for good for good reasons um because it it's a refreshing thought it's um it's a corrective thought because we spend a lot of time i at least i do some of the people that i know spend a lot of time feeling alone and feeling like i've got to do this job that i have alone and no one else is going to do it and i spend all this time doing this job and i'm just alone and it is good to be reminded of both how the community, the people around you have helped you get to where you are, and also if you're feeling depleted and alienated and isolated, look to other people, look to the people around you, make commitments and make, um, commit yourself to, and make bonds, that says commit yourself to other people and create bonds with other people, and you'll find refreshment and you'll find energy and reward in that commitment. Um, and I think that, for me anyway, is one of the most moving things about the play. Because as alone as we feel sometimes, and as alienated from our loved ones uh, we feel sometimes, that act of recommitting and reforging connections with other people um, is what we are doing here. Um, and it makes being here better and fuller and richer. And life is always capable of being rich, uh, which is a difficult thing to hold on to, that, that truth for me, because life is tough and bad things happen and we're alone a lot and uh, we have fights and we have wars and we have diseases and, um, you know, life is tough, but it's always capable of richness. It's always open to richness if you commit to other people. Director Michael Sexton, thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks very much. It was, it was a pleasure. As You Like It runs through February 16th at Two River Theater. For tickets, visit tworivertheater.org. And for more information about the arts in New Jersey, visit jerseyarts.com. I'm Christopher Benincasa. Thanks for listening.
The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, supporting excellence and engagement in the arts since 1966.